Milkshake Monday, episode 24. I wanted to go over uh, what does Milkshake Monday really mean. I got this question over the holidays and I wanted to repeat, we're coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and I want to read the first couple of, of verses so you can see where I got Milkshake Monday, where the Lord impressed in my heart. The scripture says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Milkshake Monday came about because we've been asked as a church at Resurrection this year to think of something extraordinary to do for the Lord. And as I prayed about it, I knew I wanted to share something in a method of teaching, but make it conversational. So when I read that scripture out of 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2, I thought about milk and how I wanted to teach something that made it easy to understand. Because as my um, daughter had said, a lot of times in church, you hear words that if you are not a person in church, you don't understand what they mean. So I purposely try to have conversations with you every week to break down what the Word of God teaches about Jesus Christ and keep it simple enough that anybody, no matter if you're a preacher or you've never really had much exposure to the Bible, could understand. So that's the point of Milkshake Monday. And I thought of something cute. I didn't just say, hey, let's have a cup of milk. I said, let's think of a milkshake. And because back in the old days, remember Happy Days, they would go and they'd each sit across from each other and they'd be uh, sipping on a milkshake. And I thought of something fun. And the Mondays, nobody ever asked me, what does the Mondays part mean? They just said, what does that milkshake part mean? So that's what it's going. We're trying to share with you as babes in Christ or those of you who are mature in the Lord, things about the Word of God so that we can share one with another about what Christ is saying. So tonight, we're going to talk about communication and the outcomes. And I told you specifically, it's going to be almost a compare and contrast between what we see happening in the communication or the talk between the devil or the serpent in Genesis 3 with Eve and then what you see what Jesus talked at the woman of the well. Now, sometimes you may say, Anita, you've taught on some of these subjects before, but repetition is important. We learned our name and our social security numbers and our telephone numbers because of repetition. And when it comes to the things of God, the Lord is always sharing with us truths. And those truths, you can go from Genesis all the way to Revelation, but you're going to continually have to read. No one just reads the Bible or a chapter in the Bible or a book of the Bible once and think they understand. God is all encompassing. And no matter how long you've studied, you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be reading a passage because the Spirit of God will teach you something new each time that you didn't understand the first time because you're a little bit more mature than the last time. So the first time you may have heard me talk about the woman in the well, well, maybe you never heard that passage before, but now you've started to study, you've started to read, you've started to have an understanding, letting the Spirit of God help you. One of the things about conversations that we don't think about, I have never met my father-in-law, Noble Helm, but my husband often speaks about stories of what his daddy, he calls him daddy. And he says what his daddy used to say or what Miss Jewel used to say or what his mama used to say or all these different people in his lives. He has said story after story. And, and Faith and I in Albany, we all kind of know those stories. But in listening to what the wisdom that was given by his father or my father-in-law, 
it, it tells me something about him. And when you start to read the Bible, you, the whole purpose is to point to Christ, for us to know more and more about who Jesus Christ is. And when we have Milkshake Monday opportunities, it's for us to learn together, for us to grow together. And for those who don't know anything about who Christ is, to get to have an understanding to say, he's drawing you to him. That it's not about church or what denomination. I so rarely tell people that I am this denomination or I go to this church or come to church with me. If something's going on, I want to pray with them right there. I want to talk to them right there to tell them who Christ is. And the thing that you're going to see tonight is that in Genesis chapter 3, you're going to see that Satan is the most subtle. And he said he's a subtle, that he was more cunning. But the thing you have to understand is that Satan has been around a long, a long time. And his tricks aren't new, but for many of us, we take for granted that he has a knowledge of things that many of us don't even know. He knows what the Word of God says. He doesn't want to follow it. He doesn't want to follow after what the majesty of God up in heaven is doing and, and wants him to do. But those of us who don't read and don't know God and don't understand who Jesus Christ is, we're at a disadvantage sometimes because we're lazy. But we have to realize that in order to us for us to grow and to develop and to be the messengers of the truth of God, we have to read and study. So before you get to Genesis 3, I want you to look at something. In chapter 2 of Genesis, it says in verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. Now, what you have to appreciate here is that Eve has not been created yet. But when we get to Genesis Three, the conversation between Satan is going to be between him and Eve. But where you see in 15 through 17, Adam is being commanded, not Eve. And Adam, as the man and the husband of Eve, is going to tell her what the Lord commanded and make sure that she understands. Because when you start to see what she says, she does not say exactly what the Lord commanded. So there's a misunderstanding and there's an issue where the role of what Adam should have been doing versus what was going on with his wife. So look at here at verse 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now then he goes on and the Lord talks about it's not good for man to be alone, and then Eve is created from Adam's rib. Forward to chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more cunning. The thing about a conversation that we have every day with different people, you're going to find far fewer people that are going to talk to you about the things of God than the people that are going to talk to you about the things that are temporary and earthly and carnal. Carnal means things that have nothing to do with God or his righteousness. You can have many more conversations with those who are following the serpent. And think of the titles that the devil has. He's called the father of lies. So he doesn't tell the truth. Very opposite of Christ, who is, is the word became flesh. And that word is truth. But he's known as the father of lies. He said that his whole purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. So you have the father of lies. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So what do you have here when he comes and talks to Eve? The thing about Satan when he has communication with you, when he comes and spreads the lies and the doubts and brings up things to make you have unbelief, he does it very cunning. And a lot of times he does one-on-one -on -one because when you're at your point where you're going through something, you're being challenged, you're frustrated, you're in despair, you're in denial, you're in pity parties, a lot of times that happens in the wee hours of the morning or while you're by yourself or while you're driving or while you're in the shower or while you're having that poor me all by yourself. And Satan is cunning and he starts to whisper and he starts to have a conversation to cause you to doubt, to cause you to fret, to cause you to get deeper and deeper into a place where he thinks that he can destroy you. And he starts by telling you lies about who God is and what God has for you. And this is exactly what he does with Eve. It says, and now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he started the conversation. He said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? With a question mark. He's already starting the conversation saying, God did not tell you the truth. You shouldn't believe God. God is lying to you. God doesn't want the best for you. He's always going to start with untruth. And here it goes. He started the conversation. He had put that question mark. But here's where the woman, she engages in the conversation with the devil. And a lot of us, when it comes to our day-to-day -day conversations with people who do not have our best interests in heart, that don't know the Lord, who don't care about you, who want to use and abuse you, you engage in the conversation. You perpetuate and continue on with something that's not in your best interest. And it says in verse two of chapter three, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. The serpent starts the conversation back to him because he already knows that's not what God said. But he's going to exploit the conversation to make her doubt God even further. So he's going to keep on talking. And that's what happens when you get engaged with somebody that wants to bring you down. Then the serpent in verse 4 says to the woman, you will not surely die. That's her way of saying God's lying to you. You can't trust him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want you to know what he knows. See how he, he twists things. And if I put in that scripture about Luke 4, because as you start to read Luke 4 and John 4, we're going to go about the woman of well. But I also wanted you to see that when Christ had his baptism and the Lord said, this is my beloved son, listen to him. You all immediately say the spirit took him away and Satan tried to pervert what he was saying to Jesus. But Jesus didn't fight him with muscles. He fought him with the word of God. And Eve started talking to Satan, but she did not speak back what the word of God had actually said and commanded. She was making an ad living and saying, oh, you shouldn't touch it. And Satan said, oh, she don't know. She don't know as much as she thinks she does. So then he says here in verse five, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He was trying to share with Eve a lie that God is withholding something from you. And then you start to see, how do we react when Satan starts to lie? 
to us. We start to think on that thing. Well, why aren't things going right with me? I'm trying to go to church. How come my finances aren't getting any better? I'm giving the tithes and offering. How come my kids aren't acting right? I'm telling them about the word of God. You start to question. You start to doubt. You start to have that little tidbit of unbelief and it keeps festering because you keep having a conversation with Satan and he's keeping the lie going and he's keeping the doubt going and he's trying to destroy and he's trying to steal what you thought you knew. And that's why we talked about those four seeds, the cares of this world, that you don't have any depth, that you're not finding yourself in the house of prayer, that you're not finding yourself with believers, but you're staying around people with conversations that are about nothing that have no depth, that have no truth. And then you find yourself as Eve was, verse six. So when the women saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, you're not supposed to have that man that's not yours, but you keep looking at him. And Satan keeps whispering, oh, he won't hurt anybody. Oh, nobody will know. And you start thinking on that thing. And you keep looking on that thing. And all of a sudden, what you know to be wrong, what you know you've been told by God is not good for you, you're rationalizing it. You're compromising just an inch. And then it's a foot. And then it's a mile. And then you're over the line. And once you've done that deed that you know is evil, then Satan will say, oh, God, I don't want to talk to you no more. Oh, you can't go back to God because he saw it. He's going to be mad with you. That's how you have to be careful with conversations with ungodly and people that are not of God, who are cunning and subtle and for your destruction and full of lies. Well, I want you to go to John chapter 4. Now, we have talked before about the conversation that Jesus had at the well. You won't have as many conversations day to day with people who want to spread truth because there's a lot of lies. My husband often says, a lie can go around the country before the truth puts his pants on. And the reality is, he even said this past Sunday, he said, Anita likes to have deep conversations. I, I enjoy talking to people about the truth of what's going on in their lives so we can engage and talk about where Christ fits in your life how Christ wants to minister to your life. And the example of what you see in John 4, when he is at the woman at the well, when he meets her, he has a conversation. He has a, a grabbing, engaging conversation to say, give me a drink. But then he talks to her and they come back and forth and they talk back and forth. But I love the part where he talks about his father. He talks about what's going on in your life. Go get your husband. And she truthfully says back to him, I don't have a husband. And Christ says to her, he commends her that you have spoken well. But I thank God that in verse 17, when she said, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. And the thing that you should see as a compare and contrast between Genesis 3 and John 4 is that Jesus wants to speak truthfully to you every time about who he is. He wants to speak truthfully to tell you that in order to have a life that is eternal, 
that is going to be long lasting beyond when you're 90 or 80 or 100 or when you take your last breath, whatever that will be. You have to know who he is. And what he does and what he shows in John 4 is that we have to have more conversations, not with the cunning people who are liars, who are deceivers, who are destroyers, who are manipulators. We have to have conversations with the Lord. And that takes you saying that he knows more than you, that he has something to offer you, that he has something to give to you to help you grow, that he has that sincere milk that we talked about in 1 Corinthians 3, that he has that solid food of the word, that he has that bread of life. But the important thing that we have to understand is that a conversation takes time. A conversation, if I were to say to you, okay, let's, let's meet and have lunch. You got to put me as a priority. We have to have some arrangements. Where are we going to have that lunch? What time are we going to do it? What's the expectation that you have me coming to talk to you or you come to talk to me? One is that we're going to make it a priority to come and to talk and to share and to be truthful and to be honest. What we have now in our churches, in our families, in our schools, in our communities, we have a bunch of people that talk past each other. They don't want to get in depth because, oh, you'll know my business. I don't really want to talk to you because I don't like you. I don't really want to be bothered with you because you don't have anything to offer me. And that's the problem. We have to talk to people who we don't know. We have to stop trying to talk to only the people that are like us, that we like. Because God didn't say, go out into all the world and only talk to those who you like. He wants us to go out and talk to everyone. When I talk at the end of this teaching every week and I say the harvest is ripe, the harvest is ripe. But what happens is we don't want to have truthful conversations. It's not me wanting to be deep. I just want to be real. I just want to have a conversation that's truthful. My daughter told me, tell you guys I have a cold. Yes, I have a cold, but that's not going to be an excuse for me to say why I'm not going to come and talk about the word of God. I want to have the opportunity to say to the people that I may never meet you guys. Some of you I may know because you're relatives or you go to our church or you're friends of us from years gone by. But a lot of you I will never meet until one day when I go to glory and I see the Father and maybe the father will say, you know, because you were willing to share who my son was, that person over there, out of all those thousands upon thousands, that person over there, they heard the message. And I'll say, glory to God. Glory to God. I may never meet any of you, but the purpose is to let you know that it's important for you to have a conversation with Jesus Christ. And that conversation is being truthful. None of us have it all figured out. None of us are perfect. Not one of us is without sin, only Jesus Christ. But if you're like me, my testimony is that I was a person that went to church all the time. Mama took us to church all the time. We were there 30 minutes early. And all that time going to church, I was playing church. I knew how to behave in church. I knew what to sing. I knew how to behave. I was an usher. I got baptized. But when my brother got saved, I knew that what he had was not what I had. And I didn't like him because he was exposing something in my heart that wasn't genuine. 
And I had this void in my life. And when my dad died when I was 10, I thought it was because I was afraid of being an orphan. I thought it was because I was afraid of nobody being there for me. But all along, the Spirit of God was drawing me to say something is missing in your life. And that person was the person of Jesus Christ. And I was such a silly girl. I thought I could have the father and didn't have to have the son. I was, I was a silly. I was misguided. But when somebody started to open up the Bible and share with me the message of truth, and they said to me one night at a Bible class, they said to me, and many others, but to me, I heard it, that if tonight was the night that the Lord called you home, would he know you? Would the Lord know who you are? Would you be one of his? And I honestly had to think about that for the first time. And I didn't believe that God would know me, that I knew him or that he would know me in an intimate way. And I heard him call me to say that night, know me. And I just started bawling. And my mother and my niece were there and they thought something was going off the rails with me. But I had heard the voice of Jesus say, know me. And one of my nephews had an incident this week and he gave his life to the Lord. All of us won't have dramatic incidents, but we have to take a pause in our life and say, if it's tonight, if the Lord says tonight, you're going to have your last breath in this earthly body. Does he know you? Do you know him? Is Jesus Christ important and a priority in your life? Are you going to say, I didn't know? You can't say that anymore because you've heard enough to know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, you and me, and that the wages of sin is death. And if you don't want to have death that will be eternally in separation with the holy God, spending eternity in the pit of hell with Satan and all of his hosts that rebelled against God, you have to make a decision. It's important for you to have that conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ and say to him that you repent, that you want to make a change, that you believe that he is the son of God, that he took all of our sins upon him and that he is a giver of life. Satan wants to kill and destroy, but the Lord wants to show that he is a giver of life. And what he shared in John 4 was that his father is seeking those, all of us who want to have the, the worship of God. It says in verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The Father is seeking you. And the Holy Spirit is drawing you. And it's important for those of us who know who Christ is to, to get out of our shell and our boxes and our, and our I'm afraid moments and be bold and go and tell people about who Jesus Christ is. Because this Evil age is drawing to a close. The time is rapidly coming before us. The knowledge is growing. All those things that God said in Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and all those prophetic things are starting to happen. And we as Christians have to labor for the Lord 
and share who the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It became flesh and it dwells in us and we have to go out and to share the truth of God. Have those conversations, brothers and sisters. Talk about Jesus. Don't let Satan be the only one talking. We've got to share who Jesus Christ is. I love you and I thank you for this opportunity. God bless and see you next week.